everyone. Welcome to Behind the Monitor, the official podcast for information technology services at Syracuse University, better known as ITS. I'm Jillian Follett, and I'm here with Eric Ferguson. For today's episode of Behind the Monitor, Eric spoke with Amy McCullough, an SU alum who is currently a senior writer for The Athletic, a sports news outlet. He also co-hosts a podcast called Beyond the Scrum, where he discusses different events and issues in Major League Baseball. So Eric, what did you learn from Andy about his career and how technology plays into it? Uh, it was super interesting because, so I'll, I'll just take a step back. I've followed Andy McCullough's writing since he was a beat writer for the Kansas City Royals in 2014 and 2015, which was like the best time to write about the Royals. And so I've kind of followed him uh, on Twitter and things like that. And then, uh, I, you know, have my Syracuse University connection. I figured out that like, oh, he actually went to SU and he's a Newhouse guy. And so when the pandemic happened and is continuing to happen, I thought, I bet it's a, I bet it's a really hard and interesting time to cover baseball right now because you're not going to games. It's, it's a lot of, you know, you and I are talking right now via Zoom. And so, you know, that's how baseball writers have had to cover the season or had to cover the season. So I just sent him a message on Twitter one time and said, hey, we're ITS at Syracuse University. Uh, love your work, your, <laughs> all that kind of stuff. And, and I was like, could, could we talk to you about, about your experience covering baseball, both, you know, as, as a reporter whose career has kind of overlapped the, uh, you know, the proliferation of social media, as he talks about in our interview, but then also specifically about what was it like to cover baseball in 2020 when you're not going to the clubhouse after games, you're jumping on a Zoom call with a bunch of other reporters and you're literally like clicking the raise hand button or whatever when you mm -hmm. need to ask a question. So it was just a super interesting interview. He was, you know, very candid, very open and um, very just enlightening about how, because in my, in my mind, I'm like, well, it's clearly technology has changed everything. And but then he, at one point in the interview, he says, it's still always about getting information to the readers. And it's just, it's just a different channel or a different medium. But the, the job itself is basically, he says, the job is still the, the, the job that I studied for when I was at Syracuse University. So I think it's a great conversation if you're a baseball fan, if you're a Newhouse student, if you're an alum, or if you're just interested in, you know, what it's like to be a professional and in the time of COVID. It was a really interesting conversation and I thank Andy immensely for it. And also I want to take our listeners behind the behind behind the monitor and just <laughs> and just say one thing because I did not check my audio settings for the interview. You can you can hear me, you can understand me, but Andy sounds fantastic and I sound like I'm calling from a payphone. So I apologize for that. <laughs> but you're not here to listen to me. You're here to listen to Andy McCullough and he delivered. So I just want to thank him again for that. Oh man, technology issues on the ITS podcast. <laughs> uh, hey, but you know what? I honestly thought like, well, we could just edit it in and fix it in post, but no, we're not going to do that. We're just going to leave it in. We're going to own up to it. Yeah. <laughs> we're going to own up, own up to it because it can happen to anyone. And if it's happened to you, dear listener, it's going to be okay. I promise. <laughs> All right. Well, let's take a step behind the monitor and learn more about Andy's career and the ways that technology has played into it. Andy McCullough from The Athletic. This is Eric Ferguson from ITS. But the uh, the main event today is Andy McCullough from The Athletic. Uh, he's an alumnus of, of Syracuse University, the Newhouse uh, School in particular. Andy, thank you very much for joining us today. Hey, no problem. Thanks for having me. So um, just to set the stage a little bit, and I don't want to, um, you know, you don't have to divulge your age or anything, but when did you attend Syracuse? And what was, um, you know, when you were studying at Newhouse, what type of job did you think you were studying for? 
Yeah. So I am 33. I'm very comfortable uh, <laughs> saying that out loud. Uh, I went to Syracuse from 05 to 09. Yeah. I mean, I'm more or less do the job that I studied to do in, in certain ways. I mean, I, I graduated with a degree in newspaper journalism, which I believe is gone. I think now it's like newspaper magazine and newspaper, but I worked in newspapers for 11 or 12 years before I moved to the athletic last year. But, you know, the job is journalism. It's talking to people and, you know, telling stories and figuring out information, you know, providing content for readers. So the uh, the package that it's delivered in is slightly different uh, than maybe what I thought it would be. But, you know, The Athletic is very similar to like what ESPN.com or Yahoo Sports or all those things, you know, sites like that looked like in 2008, 2009. And those were places that I was always interested in working in. So there's not a huge... Uh, there's not a big gap between that, uh, you know, between the job I have now and the job I studied for. So, and when you were a student, um, just thinking about our, our Syracuse University students today, you know, a lot they're a lot on Blackboard, especially this semester. They're they're using a lot of online learning tools. When you were a student, were you like, did you have a laptop or was it just a desktop? Or I mean, when I was in school, I went to a computer lab because I didn't really have a computer in my room. So what was your relationship with technology when you were a student? Yeah, I think I had a, I had a laptop. I had some sort of Dell, I think. I've switched over to, <laughs> uh, to MacBook Pro. But yeah, I had like a... I was, I was going to ask Mac or, Mac or PC, so thank you. Yeah, no, I had a PC, I had a PC for all, all the way through college. I didn't get a MacBook until like a year or so out. But yeah, I had, a, I had a Dell laptop that I use, you know, all the time, basically. So since you graduated, I don't know when you got onto like Twitter or even podcasts or things like that, but... You know, technology has changed, you know, even just in the, in the last decade or so. Would you say, um, so this is a question from Jillian, a Newhouse student, so I just want to give her credit for this. So what types of technology would you say have had the most significant impact on your own career? I mean, I mean, the biggest change probably from like when I started doing journalism in like 06, 07 to now is just like the proliferation of social media. I think the way that stories get disseminated is just way different. You know, I I wrote for the worked at the DO for like six semesters, the Daily Orange, and like you know the the thing was always you'd go and actually get the physical paper, you know, and uh, and that was always very cool. And like I think fewer and fewer and fewer readers get information that way, and so you know a lot of people now sort of cater their news consumption directly to their own sort of interests through you know how they like set up their Twitter feeds and their Facebook feeds and things like that. So yeah, I mean just like social media apps have probably had the biggest impact on the work that I'm doing. There's a lot more dialogue with readers and which can be helpful and also you know less constructive. So that's probably the biggest adjustment or biggest change, okay. I guess. And as a as a follow up to that, this was also something that Jillian had had on her list, and something that I was interested in as well. It's like, and I know it's not one or the other, but so what are some benefits of of social media for reporters, and then what are some of those some drawbacks, maybe or not drawbacks necessarily, but like not not unqualified pluses. Yeah, I mean the benefits are like you have a direct interaction with readers, and so you know, like you, you can get a sense of what readers are interested in, you know, what they want to know about the team you're covering or the sport you're covering, or, you know, the game you're covering, you know, that the, the questions that stand out to them. And so like, sometimes that can be very helpful. I mean, I was a baseball beat writer for nine years and there were tons of nights where, you know, like I would miss something in the game, but I would just start getting questions, you know, like on Twitter being like, Hey, why did X happen? Why did this happen? You know, something I didn't notice or something I didn't really, you know, consider being a big deal. And I always found like having that 
this, something of a backstop could be pretty helpful. I think the, the drawback, though, is when you spend too much time obsessing over what people on Twitter are talking about. You have to strike a balance. You know, you have to understand that, like, the majority of the country is not on this website. <laughs> And the majority of people who, you know, there's a whole lot of readers out there, you know, especially like when you're working in a newspaper, when I was at the LA Times, like my audience was the 200,000, you know, subscribers to that. Those are the people who I should be servicing and trying to get new subscribers and not obsessing over the, you know, thousand very vocal Dodgers fans, you know, what, what they're interested in and about the team. So you can get a little caught up, you know, kind of like in the, in the, cacophony of noise. But I think like at the same time, it is helpful, as I said, to have that backstop and to have, you know, just like direct interaction with readers. So you know what people are interested in, because sometimes, you know, you get a little lost in the weeds, as it were. Yeah. So in addition, like with the interaction, like kind of like never ending. So do you keep yourself on any kind of like a social media schedule? Or like how, I guess, if, you know, and just in terms of like, how do you manage your screen time? Like, do you are you always checking uh, your social media or do you limit it to like these hours and then I'm turning it off until tomorrow or how? No, I, I'm pretty much like, yeah, I don't really have a schedule. I mean, I probably use I check, you know, Twitter probably too often, you know, just to see what's going on. But, you know, I don't I don't really hold myself to like a strict schedule. OK. And then so something new for this season, you've been obviously you've been podcast. You've been a guest on podcast, which, like, you know, thank you for adding us to your list. But you've been a, a guest on podcast before, but then you also started uh, Beyond the Scrum uh, mm -hmm. with uh, Mark Craig this season. And it's really, it, obviously, we'll get into this in a little bit. It's a very interesting season to start a podcast. So how is it, and this is like maybe a dumb question, but maybe insightful, we'll see. What are the differences between, you know, when you're writing an article versus doing a podcast and like having an ongoing conversation that is, you know, live? Like, were there any different types of skill sets or what did, what were your considerations when you started the podcast and why did you, why did you and uh, Mr. Craig decide that you two would make a good podcast? Well, Mark, Mark and I have been friends for a really long time. You know, I work with Mark, uh, my first real job at the Star Ledger in Newark. Mark was the Yankees beat writer. And I, uh, you know, after about a year at the paper, became the Mets beat writer. And so we've been, you know, he's like my closest friend in the, in the journalism industry. And so, you know, we just, when we got the chance to work together again at The Athletic, you know, we kind of thought that it would be cool to just kind of take like a lot of the conversations that he and I would have, you know, at the ballpark, you know, driving home from the ballpark, whatever, when we call each other during the week, just to talk about stuff. We thought a lot of it, uh, a lot of it dealt with stuff that just wasn't sort of being serviced to uh, a lot of baseball fans, you know, because there's a lot of like, Effectively Wild is a you know baseball podcast that Fangraphs does, and it's a very very good podcast. But a lot of it is more you know inside baseball for people who are very interested in sort of like statistical analysis and things like that. And we thought you know we would kind of delve a little bit deeper into you know just what it's like covering the sport uh, and how that affects kind of how you know readers take it in. And we thought we kind of fill a, a niche there. So. Yeah, I mean the the challenge is like it's just it's very different. I mean, the podcast market is obviously, you know, oversaturated, but I think like there still are ways to do it well and uh you know, it's been a learning experience. I mean, I think I'm not a natural in the format in that it's not as simple as just like talking to someone the way you would if you were doing an interview because a lot of times if you're doing an interview, you know, sometimes you have to interrupt to like clarify things and uh you know to like and you want to hammer down on, you know, like certain details whereas, you know, in podcasting you kind of need to clear out space and give people more sort of room to, you know, to to talk and so it's it's been a challenge in some ways but yeah, I mean that's kind of the general 
sort of backstory to it. Sure. And I, and I think what I enjoy about it is that it, it is kind of like a writer's perspective on yeah. you know, covering you. the game. Yeah, oh, no, absolutely. It's great. And uh, so, like I alluded to earlier, um, this season obviously was different from any other uh, season to cover. And so I'm, I'm wondering, because I know um, like you're, and I, I might have, I might not have this exactly right, but I think your duties are a little bit like as a national writer about baseball, it's not a beat writer job. So you, you maybe not, you maybe weren't going to be in the locker room every game like you had been in the past, like on the beat. But how was it covering this season where you don't, you basically just don't have the option to be in person? And so am I, am I correct? Because I listened to your yeah. interview with uh, Bill Klaschke and my, my sense is that a lot of things happened over Zoom. Yeah, it was all over Zoom. Yeah, all the access yeah. was over Zoom. Yeah. So like, do you think the quality of the interaction was – I mean, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna guess no, but what do you think that it was as good of a interaction being on a Zoom? Was it all like conferences, or could you do one on one? No, it was all like press conferences. Yeah, over Zooms. Yeah, it was awful. Like it was you know it it was useless. Like there's a lot of debate in the in the industry about like the sort of efficacy and like usefulness of you know stories about games and things like that. I tend to you know be more pro game story than a lot of people. I think there's still value there, but like part of that is that you have to be providing information that people can't access elsewhere. And with the zooms, it just makes that more or less impossible because, you know, the whole reason, like the whole reason that access in the clubhouse matters is that you can talk to someone besides, you know, the three stars in the game and get perspective and insight that, you know, other outlets don't have. Uh, and that was basically gone under this setup. So everyone's talking to the same five people. You really only get like one question per person, you know, and there's a lot of times there's not a lot of follow-ups or, you know, you don't really get to drill down on things. You know, sometimes teams won't make the necessary players available. I mean, it was just, you know, it was awful. Like at the end of the day, like, you know, who can't like, I don't think fans really care that much. Fans, I, I, I would say this, fans appreciate the work we do probably more than they understand, but sports writers specifically do not seem to realize how little fans care about some of the things that we complain about, you know, like whether or not I talks post game or something like that. Like it's annoying to us. Overwhelming majority of fans don't care at all. So fans were not, are not sympathetic to the fact that we had no clubhouse access. And I understand because like, it doesn't, you know, like it's annoying to hear people talk about it, I guess. So like, we'll, we'll just, we'll narrow down a little bit to the world series. Are you pretty much basically watching the world series broadcast on TV and then you jump on the zoom meeting? Is that how it works? Yeah. yeah. Is it? Yeah. Just watch on TV. Yeah. Well, I mean, there were some reporters at the ballpark and the athletic did have people there, but we have Ken Rosenthal who, uh, sure, I've heard know, of him. Yeah. Bro yeah. Broadcast for Fox. <laughs> and so he was there kind of in, in that capacity. And also the games were in Texas, uh, in Arlington. So our Rangers beat writer, Levi Weaver was at a lot of the games, but like we had a pretty strict travel policy. And so I had offered to go, you know, to, to Arlington for, you know, the duration. And my editor, she's basically, she's a very, very wise person named uh, Emma Spann. And she said, well, are you going to get any access there that you wouldn't have at home? And I was like, no. And she was like, well, then why are we, you know, asking you to fly across the country and stay in a hotel during a pandemic? And so it's, you know, it's like, oh, yeah, that makes sense. Why would we do that? So yeah, I was just watch the game from home and then hop on the Zoom afterward. And it was, it was brutal. You know, it's like not a fun way to do the job. You know, the best part of this job, in my opinion, is like covering the playoffs, you know, like the games, but also, you know, just like 
seeing friends, you know, around the industry and like, you know, being able to go get dinner sometimes afterwards or whatever, you know, and so all that was pretty much gone this year, which was, you know, it's a sacrifice that lots of people have had to make in various forms, but it just, it hammered at home, like every night at 8pm when I'm like turning on Dodgers Rays and just like sitting at my laptop, you know, starting to write. It's not, it doesn't have the same sort of adrenaline rush. Right. And so what is, was there any positive or any new skill or any new technology that you learned to use as a result of the season? Was there any, you know, what is a positive that you could take away from how this, how the season played out? I think I, I think I just, I don't know if it was like a new skill, but just sort of like a reinforcement of how important it is to just like make phone calls and not rely on the people you can talk to in person, you know, just Mm -hmm. like, I think like, I've always been of the mind that baseball players on, you know, in order to get in contact with a baseball player, unless it's someone, you know, really, really well, you should, you know, go and see them in the clubhouse. But like, there's a way to get access to all these guys' phone numbers, and you can just send the guy a text. And a lot of times they're as receptive to that as they are to like you interrupting them in the clubhouse. And so like, I think part of it's like a generational thing, you know, like I'm a mid to late period millennial, I guess. And so like, I still, I didn't grow up with like smartphones, I guess. So like, I grew up where you still like kind of, there was like aim and stuff, but you still would like talk to people on the phone and things like that. Mm -hmm. And now like, you know, a guy who's like 25 grew up just texting all the time. So like they might be more comfortable. So just like for me, it was just kind of breaking out of the comfort zone of feeling like the only way to talk to a player was to go into the clubhouse, introduce yourself and have a conversation face to face. A lot of times guys would just prefer, you know, to just talk over the phone when it's more at their convenience. So just sort of like just little things like that, I think, you know, were were helpful and that I feel a little more comfortable doing things like that as compared to how I used to, you know, do a lot of reporting. Yeah. Yeah. The texting is actually, I I did think of that, like that is another channel that you can use now. And now I'm just like really curious about like what emojis does uh, Corey Seager use and things like Mm. that. But um, (laughs) assuming that, okay, we're, we'll, we'll just put it out there next July or August, it becomes safe in some capacity for baseball games. Like we remember them to take place. What is one thing that you're really looking forward to when everything is back to some kind of new normal and it could be work related or it could just be like the lived experience. Oh, I mean, I'm just excited to be able to like go on the road and see my friends, you know, just things like that. I mean, I, you know, one of the, one of the benefits of, you know, being a beat writer for nine years is I got to travel the country, you know, for nine years. And so I made friends and, you know, in in Phoenix and friends in Chicago and friends in New York. And, you know, those are all just people I wasn't able to see this year. But like, I think like probably by 2022, when we maybe get clubhouse access back, because I don't foresee that coming back next year, but probably by 2022. I mean, I just look forward to like, if we're allowed back in the clubhouse, if the CBA uh, doesn't, you know, bar us, which is a possibility. You know, I just look forward to being able to like talk to guys face to face. I mean, there's lots of guys I've covered over the years who, you know, like you have a good relationship with, who you have a chance, you know, haven't really had a chance to catch up with in a long time. And I just, yeah, I mean, I, I, I think like everyone else, like I, I don't know. I'm not even like, there's not even like specific things that I'm really all that excited for. Just like, I think just the gradual realization that, you know, the pandemic is hopefully subsiding and which is nowhere near close incidentally, you know, but like that feeling, I think just the, just the general feeling like things are going back to normal if they ever do that in general, gradual sort of feeling is what I'm looking forward to, I guess. Just feeling like, oh yeah, I can like go eat in a restaurant, you know, and like not feel like I'm putting myself at risk, you know, all that sort of stuff. No, I think we're all looking forward to being able to hear a center field over the loudspeakers again. <laughs> I don't know about that. Yeah, um, I don't know about that. So 
just to wrap up, um, and, and mainly just from like an, an alumnus perspective, put yourself or not. Okay, first of all, when was the last time, have you been back to Syracuse since you graduated? Like when was the last time you were on campus? Uh, a couple times I was, uh, I had to go to a, a wedding in Rochester a couple years. So I stopped there on the way up and just kind of went to Alto Cinco for lunch. Absolutely. Um, yeah. 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 So, but uh, yeah, I mean, I had, uh, I graduated in 09 and had some friends who were still around up until 2011. So maybe 2011 was the last time I was there for like a weekend, maybe 2012 or 2013. Yeah. For like a weekend. So it's been, it's been a little while, been a little yeah. while. And what is your favorite spot on campus? In terms of what? Are you, uh, so either just like the most scenic spot on campus or where you had the most fun while you were a student mm-hmm. or just, you know, whatever means, what, what's the most meaningful spot on campus? Yeah, that's a great question. I don't, I don't know. I mean, that's a good, I mean, I don't know. Like my mind goes to like flip night, probably. <laughs> like <at Vegas. laughs> yeah. uh, That was always fun. Yeah, I mean, I was really fortunate in that I was able to make kind of be part of a big group of friends, like pretty much right away, freshman year, so all the Mm -hmm. bunch of guys who would live together in Flint, uh, and we're still really good friends, you know, 15 years later. So I think we're just really fortunate that, and so I'm in touch with those guys, you know, like almost every day, but so yeah. I don't even know if like there's specific places, you know, we like to like to have fun on Marshall Street, you know, we would like go, you know, splurge on dinner at Tully's, you know, like, oh, I, wow, yeah, 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 it's Tully's Living store, large. Right? Yeah, oh, absolutely it is, yeah. Oh, great, yeah, get the, get the Tully's tenders, man, you feel like <laughs> you're eating, yeah. Um, I, I, I moved here 18 months ago, and that was literally one of the first things I heard. You got to go to Tully's and get the tenders. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean, like going to Alto, you know, we like, we have parties at our, you know, place off, off Euclid, you know, I, I had a lot of fond memories of working at the DO, you know, back when it was in the, the house on Ostrom. So yeah, I mean, just, I had a good time, you know, like I, I, I had a really, I had a really good time at Syracuse. I enjoyed the experience a lot. Well, we look forward to having you back on campus at someday in the future. Thank you very much for joining us today. Do you want to plug anything uh, for all of our millions and millions of listeners? Yeah. I mean, just go, go to the athletic. It's a, you know, you can, you have to subscribe, but like, it's worth the money. It's a good site. If you like sports, you know, like, um, you'll like it. You know, we cover all the Syracuse teams and we do a pretty decent job with that. But you know, it's like, if you like a team, we probably have a one or two beat writers covering them and you'll probably enjoy the coverage. It's a, it's a good site. There's good stories on there. You'll like it. Absolutely. I agree. Thank you very much for joining us today. We appreciate it. Hey, no problem. Thanks for having me. Thank you all so much for tuning in for today's episode of behind the monitor. I hope you all learned a little something new about technology today. Make sure to follow ITS on Twitter and Instagram at SU underscore ITS to get updates on when new episodes are going to be released and also to learn more about the awesome ways that people in the SU community use technology. And I want to give a big shout out to Liz Kelly for producing our amazing intro and outro music. Stay tuned for our next episode. 